Welcome to Elevate with Elena. This is a self-love and spirituality podcast space where humans can learn to love and accept themselves fully, unconditionally, and wholeheartedly. I'm Elena, an energetic alignment guide and a true heartist. I really do believe my mission is one of the heart, to embrace the emotions, the nudges, and the guidance my heart and intuition call me towards, and also encourage you to do the same. The wisdom you hold within you is unlike any other. Together, let's continue to cultivate our inner love, wisdom, and wholeness so we can pour more into the connections and opportunities we are meant for in this lifetime. Your heart is calling you back home. Follow the call. Welcome back to Elevate with Elena. Super excited to be here today. I feel like I say that every single time, but I have a really special guest with me today. His name is Eric Nestingen, and he is someone I actually met about a year ago now. We were on a retreat together. I've talked about this retreat probably a million times on this podcast, and it was truly a transformative experience for me, and I met so many incredible people through that time that I'm actually really good friends with still, and most of us actually live in Costa Rica, which is kind of crazy now. I think seven yeah. out of the 10, maybe eight kind of, are here in Costa Rica, at least for part of the year, which is so cool and surreal. And so, yeah, this is one of the the people that I met on that retreat. And I'm so, so grateful to know him and to know his heart. He is an adventure therapy guy, which is super freaking cool. And is just like truly the most generous, kindest person I've probably ever met. He has a deep care for other people. And yeah, he's actually my boyfriend too. Side note. But yeah, I just am super excited to have him He's here. a fifth close to most of your guests. I know, right? I'm like sitting on his lap. But I'm super excited to have you here. And to just dive deeper into like what makes you who you are. Because I truly feel like you're such a special person. And I would love other people to know those special sides of you as well, if you're willing to share them, which I believe you are because you're here sitting with me doing this podcast. So feel free to introduce yourself. Cool. Uh, hi, my name's Eric. Um, I, as Lena said, professionally right now, I am an adventure therapy guide. Probably go into that at some point, what that means, what that is. But in a more general sense, I'm from California, uh, Ojai, California, to be specific. I went to school and studied psychology, and more specifically, positive psychology, which is the study of happiness. One of my mm -hmm. focuses at that time was gratitude and its impact on well-being. I worked with some really amazing people in college. I worked in an academic research lab and that space was something that even today I still really miss people that are focused on just devouring knowledge and also have an orientation around understanding what it means to be happy and how we can cultivate that within ourselves. Mm -hmm. I went on to do a little bit more studies focusing specifically on well-being at work and post-graduation have Kind of meandered my way through a few different jobs but as of late i found something that i really really love which is being an adventure therapy guide just somewhere between a chaperone a therapist and an outdoor enthusiast mm -hmm. um, so he's the perfect trifecta for you <laughs> it, it fits me really well and i'm really lucky to be able to do that here mm. yes Costa Rica is such a magical place. I think that's another thing I talk about probably a million times on this podcast, but super happy to have you here. Let's talk about love, abundance, or joy. The moment that we felt this past week individually, I will go first. I was just talking to you about this actually, because I thought it was, you asked me like how my trip was. I just did a bunch of traveling with a couple of women friends in my life. And we went to Nosara. We went to Arenal. And Monte Verde, which all three are in Costa Rica. And there was this one day that came to mind when he asked me, like, what was like one of the moments, I don't even know exactly what you said, but one of the moments that 
you really stood out to you? that stood out to me. Yes, thank you. And it was kind of like an interesting day. It was unexpected. So we were traveling from Arenal to Monteverde, and we. I thought what I booked was like a shuttle to get from point A to point B took about like four hours or so, but we're waiting at the cafe for this shuttle. What I thought was going to be a shuttle to pick us up. And it ended up being like basically a school bus (laughs) for just three of us, which we were just like totally leaning into it and like hyping it up. It was super funny and like fun. So we got on this bus and then we're sitting there and the guy is telling us like, okay, we're going to be on this bus for like 30 minutes. And then we're going to get on a boat across Lake Arenal to get to the other side. And then we're going to take a shuttle from there, like through the mountains, like winding up to Monte Verde. And we're like, what? I literally thought this was just going to be a shuttle. So the way everything just unexpectedly like unfolded and flowed and we were just like embracing it and fully surrendering to it. It was such like a day of abundance in a really unexpected way and it was so beautiful to experience that with us like we were all just like along for the ride and the boat ride was beautiful the drive up the mountain was incredible we like stopped for pictures and views so much greenery so many animals it was heavenly honestly so that was my moment mm-hmm. that i wanted to share with yeah you. i like those travel experiences a lot i think there's a fine art to and i i feel that being in this place in particular, but other places as well. Like when I've traveled and had the opportunity to be somewhere without a plan, like there's this lovely art to allowing things to come to you and trusting that it's all going to work out. Yeah, Um, It's like a really, I think it's one of the more profound aspects of traveling specifically is like, it's this kind of like microcosm of life and like this area of play and yeah. practice mm-hmm. that you're like exploration and you get to like have these sort of like lessons drop in if you're open to them and yeah like just be challenged by them notice what they bring up in you and then also just like surrender to them and my sister and I took a trip one time across the United States and we came up with this saying that has stuck with me for a long time which is we couldn't have planned it this well if we tried which is exactly why we didn't. Didn't plan it at all. Exactly. That's so much truth in that. It was really, it's really, um, it was really fun just to be able to kind of let that trip come to us. Yeah. That's a special lesson for sure. Yeah. For me, a moment of love this week, not necessarily in the traditional sense, like between Elena and I, but it was a conversation that we got to share. Mm. I have picked up surfing in the last year or so, really. And it's a really special activity to me. I get a lot from it, but I'm also really challenged by it in a lot of ways, not just the difficulty of the sport, but like more the kind of spiritual side of it. Yeah. My late father was a surfer and there's a big part of my intention with surfing is to is to connect with him. Mm-hmm. And so often I get sort of lost in the like thrill of surfing. And so for me, like being reminded to come back to that connection as a way to yeah connect with my late father is something that made me feel a lot of love and connection this week hmm. i'm surprised by that one but i like it yeah a little un- unorthodox yeah that was good we've had a lot of really amazing conversations this week so i was getting really excited for this conversation getting to like actually record it and put it out there for other people to experience because it's actually one of the things that like I was drawn to first about you was like the way that you think about things Mm. and intellectualize and like analyze and observe your mind is very unique in a very special way so I'm excited to, to share that with people and not just guard it all to myself Mm. you know not that I would do that but you know I wouldn't let you yeah exactly (laughs) 
Um, so honestly, this podcast is all about self-love, spirituality, which we kind of already touched on a little bit, but I would love to just dive a little deeper into what makes Eric, Eric Mm, and your journey. We talk about this a lot together of like personal development and doing things for ourselves, creating space for ourselves to cultivate that love from within. So I'm curious, like what that journey has looked like for you and what you feel open to share about that, what comes through for you. Yeah, I think there's a a natural script or like story that comes up for me. And actually, I've been kind of evaluating the extent to which that continues to serve me. And like, we do have the opportunity to tell our own stories, which is a really wonderful thing about being a human. And I actually was just messaging uh, a friend this morning and sent them a note, which I think does actually sort of neatly summarize a big part of my story. They unfortunately experienced a loss uh, yesterday. And I sent her a message and I said something to the effect of like, in my experience, there is a direct relationship to the willingness to experience and commune with, with grief and loss and one's ability to also experience and express love. Mm. And I think in the a polarity w- of that. Yeah, I I the polarity of it and also like their polarity suggests that they're on a spectrum and that they're linked. Mm-hmm. And I think it's my experience that that's true. Yeah. With great love comes great loss. Uh, and sometimes with great loss, also you are reminded of great love. And I think in a lot of ways, at least for me, that summarizes a big part of who I am and how I choose to operate in the world Mm -hmm. um, and how I show love to people in my life and yeah it's really I think it because I was shaped by a lot of those types of experiences as a young person um, they show up in a way that often kind of catches people off guard especially when I was younger as I get older I think people at least have a sense of where it comes from or kind of can touch on it. But I've always been told that I was an old soul in a young body. Mm -hmm. I still feel that way a little bit when I go to bed at nine o'clock at night here in Costa Rica, (laughs) grandpa, or I'm like (laughs) sitting, drinking tea and reading a book, sometimes a glass of wine too. I've been called grandpa in that setting. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's kind of a brief intro on it. Mm, Yeah. Curious what comes up for you or what you want to dive deeper into. Yeah. I mean, there's so many directions we could go, but I think the direction I would like to go right now is you're open to just dive a little bit deeper into what that grief looks like for you. And we've already mentioned it a few times and what you feel like maybe like how that shaped you into who you are today. We kind of already touched on that, but like. Mm-hmm. I, another thing I said in that message this morning was grief feels like it rends your heart in two. Mm-hmm. But what people don't tell you is that when your heart heals, that space remains. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that, that sort of expansion in ability to feel and ability to communicate and spread love remains in spite of that scar. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite, I guess you could call it a poem or a passage or um, something like that. I think it's called, it was written on Reddit of all places. And there's a line in this like poem that says like, talks about loss as being a shipwreck. And at first you're just kind of hanging on to whatever you can find and the waves are a hundred feet tall and they overwhelm you and just completely um, make you feel like you're clinging to life. And eventually those seas subside, the waves still come from time to time and, but you can see them coming. Mm. And the, the poem finishes with this idea that is talks about scars and it, and it says like in the end like 
I'm sorry for your loss, but I hope that you have lots of scars from lots of shipwrecks mm. because ultimately those are signs of great signs of great love. And so, yeah, in terms of what it feels like, I, I like that poem because it's pretty easy for me to relate to, you know, being like Jack and Titanic, just like hanging on to something. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just kind of float, just feel like you're floating and you're bobbing and you're just kind of like getting through life. And eventually you're able to, at least the, the path out for me, and I don't know if this works for everyone, but it works for me, is to find some sort of meaning in it. Mm -hmm. Not always right away, but when you have the space to start to, to reflect on what this adversity is offering you. Mm -hmm. And I use the word offer really purposefully because I do view it as an opportunity in spite of its difficulty. Yeah. Yeah. Like what is, what is this particular experience offering you? Um, and in so far as what makes me tick is that using that path throughout my life has helped me derive a lot of meaningful messages um, mm -hmm. and learning opportunities. And I think that those inform my, the way that I love people, which is kind of the guiding vein for how I operate in the world mm -hmm. is to show people love. And it has also given me a sense of appreciation for the moment to moment beauty of life. Mm. Um, and so searching for that meaning, it's been something that has kind of carried me through those seasons of, of difficulty. Yeah. I like that searching for the meaning and trying to kind of switch the perspective a little bit of like finding the beauty and what is this offering me? I think that's, a very positive, like more optimistic way of looking at it, especially when you're going through a hard time. And going off of that too, like, I want to know, like, do you feel like you've always been this like super generous, deep, kind-hearted human? Or do you think this is something that you've been really intentional with cultivating? Or maybe it's a little bit of both for you. Say more, say more about that, because I think I understand, but I'm curious if you could be yeah slightly differently that might help me think of a response. Totally. Um, something that I feel like I mentioned a few weeks ago was that I feel like you're such a generous and kind and thoughtful person, and you mentioned like, yeah, this is something that I've like worked on for a while. Or even it was more, of, I think, around the sense of like optimism, like being optimistic. Yeah. And you're like, that's not something that like necessarily comes naturally. It's something you've worked at. Mm -hmm. So what does that journey look like for you? Yeah, the way that I think about that is there's a really wonderful researcher in psychology. Her name is Sonia Lubomirsky. Um, she wrote a book called The How of Happiness. And they sort of talk about in that book that about 40% of your well-being is derived from your genetics. And I may get these numbers a little bit off, but these mm -hmm. are kind of the ballparks. So 40% is roughly derived from genetics. 10% um, is actually derived from 10 to 20% is derived from your circumstances. And the other 40 to 50% is totally based on your outlook. Wow. Um, and how you choose to handle, like, basically, it's like within your power to influence. Mm -hmm. You can't always control the environment. You can't control your genetics. But this very large other proportion of your well-being, according to this research, is within your control. Mm -hmm. So for me, I feel like I had the benefit of, yeah, like having two parents that have really cool stories mm -hmm. and um, have yeah, like are remarkable humans by any measure. And I think that that sort of 
gave me the opportunity to have a natural resilience that helped me through adversity. And as I went into college and started to study well-being, um, I also just realized that like, okay, like there is with this percentage of pie that's on the table, like that's up to me to choose how I want to exist in the world. I think as a younger person, the strategy I used, as I mentioned, was like to like find the meaning in, in the adversity or in this meaning in the suffering, one could say. And then as I got older and was exposed to some of the research in positive psychology, I really just started applying it as much as I could. Um, and they talk about this idea that neurons that fire together wire together, mm -hmm. which is basically like based on the idea of neuroplasticity, which is like you can, by creating habits of behavior and habits and patterns of thought, you can make it that much more likely that with an unknown situation or a novel stimulus, your brain automatically goes down that path because that's the super highway that it's used to travel. Yeah. And so over time, I use like that was why I really studied gratitude, was because it was one of those things that is so accessible for people. It's very easy to write several things that you're grateful for. It's very easy to pause before a meal and share that with the people around you, like something that you're grateful for in your day or in your morning or the day before, which is a practice that we do at Peer Life where I work. And um, that we do is before we eat dinner. This is true. You shared that with me. We've adopted it mm -hmm. and I really like it because gratitude is a really, really powerful emotion. And I think, especially in the West, there's in the United States, amongst other places, there's a lot of profit to be made from the idea of scarcity. And when we remember the abundance and opportunity that so many of us actually have in this life, and to take that moment of gratitude, it has the power to begin to train that superhighway in your brain more towards abundance. Mm -hmm. And it's like a higher vibrational state too, in general. Gratitude um, and abundance are. That's that's what I'm told. Yeah. You know, and it's fun. And we talk about this often, you know, like that's your language for it. And totally. I bring a different language to the space. Yeah. Often we're saying the same thing. Yeah. I think like you have more of like the scientific terminology and I use a little bit more like spiritual terminology, but it all, it all is rooted in the same concept, which I think is really cool because yeah. we both have different perspectives, but they all come down to like the root, the yeah. same root. I agree. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I want to touch more on, I'm kind of kind of switch gears on you, but I want to touch more on the adventure therapy that you do because mm -hmm. we kind of talked about how so many people are interested. In it. It's really cool too. Yeah. Like I was super interested in when you first told me that you do that and like, what does it all entail? How do you get into it? Mm -hmm. So yeah. Talk, talk more about what that looks like for your life. In a, in a general sense, <laughs> Like, I want to zoom out at first by saying, like, it's a large industry there. I'm relatively new to it. Mm -hmm. um, I really kind of found it in the last couple of years. I If I had known it was something that I could have done as a young person, like, I would have oriented my life towards it much earlier. Mm -hmm. But it's something that not a lot of people know about. And I think it it is a, a knife that cuts both ways in the sense that... Um, there is a tremendous amount of opportunity in this space. And, and unfortunately, there has been a fair amount of bad press as of late. And from what I can tell, deservedly so, mm. about the industry on the whole, because there are times when some programs take that you have a lot of power in your role as, as an adventure therapy guide and as a program. And if you don't wield that power in a kind and responsible way, um, you can do harm. And I feel really fortunate that the program that I work for isn't like that at all. So that's kind of a very zoomed out perspective. And what it looks like is, is really, uh, we work with young people, both adolescents and adults, 
Um, for me, I've worked mostly with young adults. Mm-hmm. People often ask like, oh, are they like disadvantaged youth that are marginalized and, you know, have this special social class? And and the population that I work with, that's not the case. They're young adults, typically from the United States and typically from affluent backgrounds. And they have adversities the same way all of us do. Yeah. The really what the job entails is helping people through a difficult season of life and helping them find perspective in that season Mm -hmm. and helping them, helping them identify tools for themselves that can serve them and help them help move them towards more adaptive behaviors, adaptive meaning things that are nourishing things that are helpful, right? Like, some it's really common for a lot of people to be up on their phones late at night which affects your sleep which then affects your mood in the mornings which then affects how the food that you eat throughout the day how you speak to the people in traffic around you whether (laughs) verbally or in your own mind like there are these sort of cascading events that happen and we fall in people generally fall into these loops of behavior that are really difficult to see Mm -hmm. um and our program remove some of those habits of behavior and really just tries to import and impart lessons around what it means to lead a nourishing life. Mm. Um, How does the adventure come into play? It's at the core of what we do in the sense of like, and it, it is a natural source of adversity um, and wonder and joy and awe which is a really, really amazing thing to get to experience with people. But, you know, we take our students rafting, we take them surfing, we rappel off of, I think it's like 150 foot, somewhere between 150 and 200 foot waterfall. Like you're just hanging out in abyss. And it's like, wow, this is really stimulating. This is, this seems really dangerous. (laughs) But in that sort of like activation and all of these what you could call like extreme situations, like we use the medium of adventure to teach grit, to teach empowerment, to teach how to deal with difficult emotions like fear. Mm -hmm. Um, And- You're kind of like putting people into these situations so that they can figure out how to work through it in like a more productive way. uh, That's true and an important, caveat and wording there is it's their choice yeah right like that is is. that is super important to consider because um that choice is everything Mm -hmm. i was reading to you one of my favorite books the opening line of one of my favorite books shantaram Mm -hmm. by gregory david roberts and he talks about like learning the crux of like one of the most meaningful lessons he learned in his life was in an extremely difficult situation and what he identified was that in that moment I was free I was free to hate the people that were torturing me or free to look at the like the opportunity that I had to move in a different direction Mm -hmm. and that choice that you make in those moments can be the fate of your life yeah repeatedly choosing to hate repeatedly choosing to go down a path of lower vibration some people would say (laughs) is is can become a habit totally and so too in the same way can a more quote-unquote high high vibration path Mm -hmm. um (laughs) and again like to tie that back to how i use how i tend to think about the world is like you're firing those neurons that are firing together are wiring together and so if you choose a different fork in that path that choice is yours and you're more likely to make that choice again in the future so with adventure and natural adversity it's a really rich space to learn about ourselves Mm. Um, yeah that's why i love being outdoors and feeling the challenge of nature in so many different ways because it it has a way of shining light on on yourself and what really matters to you. Yeah, you're. What did you say? You're a type two. Mm-hmm. 
Like what sort? Type two. This so there's type two fun and type one fun. Uh, okay. Type one and type two fun. I am a type two fun enthusiast. I'm more of a type one. We're well, well, yes, that's true. I'm hopeful. <laughs> you're wanting I'm, to change I'm, that. I'm hopeful that you'll explore some type two. Fun. <laughs> the difference being, like type one fun is is fun in the moment, right? Like this is being together with friends and family, sharing a meal. It's a beautiful um, day. It's a beautiful day. You're at the beach. You're watching a sunset. Wow, everything is awesome. Type two fun is when you're in a blizzard with your friends and you're scaling a mountain and your fingers are maybe a little numb, your heart rate is super high, you're really hopeful that you can find your way down without hurting yourself, and you're a little uncertain if you should be there in the first place, mm -hmm. and then you make it back to the car. <laughs> and you look back and you're like, man, was it super fun in the moment when I couldn't feel my fingers and was concerned about whether or not this was going to end my existence? Maybe not. But now that I am on the other side of that, I feel thrilled with it. Yeah. Um, and it actually, in retrospect, was fun. And so that's what, in the, in those moments, like, I was fascinated by mountaineering for some time. I haven't done much of it, mostly read about it, so don't get the wrong idea. <laughs> but mountaineering is a space in which, like, you test your metal against an immovable force. Mm -hmm. which is the mountain yeah and like you have a pick that you're like putting into them that's an ass like that is one way to do okay. it but like really the idea is basically like you have an objective to get to yeah sometimes it's the top of the mountain sometimes it's a base camp along the way but but you're tested in such a way like that tests your metal as a person oh i thought you meant like a literally metal like a pick okay. no like <laughs> your metal as a person like you're like the the core of who you are because the 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 ocean the mountains these outdoor the jungle like these spaces are unrelenting mm -hmm. and in persevering through the adversities that they present you learn a lot about yourself yeah. and i have found it often to be the case that we are capable of so much more than we recognize or give ourselves credit for mm -hmm. You know, like the, the, the saying, like the journey of a thousand miles begins with a th single step. Mm -hmm. And so often that's what moving through life is. Taking, Taking one more steps. Step. Yep. Yeah. A baby, baby steps. Yeah. Sometimes leaps, sometimes bounds, sometimes right. baby steps. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you feel like you're at pace running through life and you're like, wow, this is great. Everything's wonderful. And then other times it's all you can do to take a half a step. Totally. What do you think surfing has taught you as far as lessons? I know probably a lot, but that's something that you're actively doing. Yeah. On a regular basis. I think the lesson, so like a lot of people talk about the ocean as being a teacher. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is, is it, again, is that like unrelenting force that um, has the ability to humble you and sometimes hurt you and for me what I have been learning in the ocean is patience mm. um, and the art of allowing things to come to me and not forcing something but instead dancing with the moment mm the remarkably difficult thing about surfing is it's conducted in a medium that is constantly changing in mm -hmm. every given second. And our brains like predictability. So we're trying to do the math of, yes. okay, is it this, do I take this angle on this way? Do I take that angle? Is this wave going to break fast? Is it going to break slow? Is it, is there a shape to it based on the direction that it's coming based on the tide, based on the wind, like there are an incredible amount of variables in this. And what is so charming, enamoring, and ultimately like, I think draws people to utter devotion about surfing is that you have to surrender to it. Mm -hmm. You have to surrender to the fact that yes, you can make a reasonable prediction, but in any given moment, there's so much that 
is changing, you have to um, meet that moment. Yeah. And it's a beautiful metaphor for life. I was just going to say that super applicable to life. Yeah. I think a lot of the lessons of surfing are like that. And I don't have a lot of experience with surfing. You know, it's something I talked about wanting to get into more. Um, I've only done a few lessons, but for me, I think it's a very different experience than you. Mm. And I have like a little bit of a fear of being underneath water and just like letting go of control. Mm. So, I mean, it comes back to the whole thing of like needing to surrender, mm -hmm. but it's a little more difficult, I think, for me, because you seem to be a little more comfortable in those settings. And that's honestly the biggest hurdle, I think, going into surfing for me personally. So it's just interesting how all these lessons, though, are very applicable to life and how you choose to go about your life. Like, do you want to feel like you're holding on to control and like having to force things in certain ways and trying, yeah, just trying to like have like a, what's it called? Like white knuckle life. Or do you want to just let go and surrender to what will happen the moment that you're presently in? So, yeah. Something else that comes to mind that I would love to chat more about because of like who you are as a human we talked about how you're super intellectual love to think about things and analyze and observe. So how do you connect back to your heart? How do you connect back into your body? Like what grounds you? Something that I struggle with too. Lots, lots of thinking happening, lots of ideas, which can be really amazing, mm. but also can be an Achilles heel. Yeah. Thinking is a wonderful tool. Like any tool, if it's applied to the wrong situation, it doesn't have the intended effect. Right. Yeah, I mean, really, I think this is kind of the adversity of my moment in life because I recognize it as this, as the universe or God, whichever words you choose to use, this is the challenge that's being presented to me mm -hmm. at present. Like, do you want to continue to operate in this way or do you want to find... Uh, an additional tool that could be that could serve you and what I'm experimenting with and playing with in terms of like how to come back to my body and back into my heart one of them is somatic exercises mm. actually a colleague of mine at work has a extensive background in uh exercise physiology mm -hmm. and basically this somatic work involves some amount of pain mm -hmm. so I use yoga blocks mm -hmm. and I will put the yoga block either on the like the side of my body kind of where where your lats are or like on the side of your rib cage mm -hmm. um, and then you lean on it mm -hmm. and just lay on it and everything in your body starts screaming, no, this is a terrible idea. Don't do this. Pain, ow, move away. Yeah. And I don't exactly understand how this works, but by gently entering that space and allowing your, at first your whole body tenses and it's like, no, stop, don't, ow. And you're like, it's okay. I'm okay. It's okay. I'm okay. And you're able to slowly put more weight on this block. And it's this feedback system for your nervous system, mm -hmm. which is ultimately like when you remove that pressure, mm -hmm. your nervous system is like, oh, wow. I'm, I'm like, it feels this like expansiveness. And for me, it really is, is helpful for regulating my body and my nervous system and coming back into that space because I am a high intensity, high stimulation person. Mm -hmm. And so for me, finding a way to actually calm down and say like, it's okay, you're okay. And doing that in a way that is providing sensation to my body mm. really just changes my emotional experience and like the way that I'm experiencing the world in a given moment. Ugh. It's so interesting that you say that because I use a very similar technique when I'm processing big emotions mm. and I feel like it's like a form of self-soothing I know it's a form of self-soothing but 
when I have like a really big emotion coming up that usually involves like sadness or grief or anger or something more intense. Um, I speak to myself that way too. Like you're okay. Everything's okay. Like it's going to be okay. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I think it's telling our bodies like just because you're experiencing this pain or this really big emotion that doesn't feel super comfortable, like you're going to be okay. You are actually in a safe space to receive that and to process it and to release it. And like telling yourself that actually can be really powerful. It's so simple, but some of like the simplest things are actually what, like if you keep doing them consistently, like you're saying, like rewiring, it's what actually makes the big change happen, the big transformation happen. And for you to feel more comfortable when that comes up again, because it will. Yeah. Life is always throwing you things to work through. And so like when it comes up, like how will you react this time? You know, like I think just learning these little tools that really work for you and applying them to your life and seeing how things can transform. Yeah, I, I had like what well, was a really surreal experience using um, this sort of like physical, like somatic therapy sort of approach. If people, if your listeners are familiar with yoga, there's a position, <laughs> called, there's a position called fish pose. Yes. And I was using a block and I had been surfing a lot. So my upper back was really, really tight. I didn't really realize what effect that was having in the front of my body. Mm, your heart space. My heart space. And I basically put all my body weight on this block and then moved it up vertebrae by vertebrae, mm-hmm. like piece by little piece. And again, like offered a lot of pressure, would kind of swing my arms from my, the side of my body up and over my head and back. And it became an almost psychedelic experience. Wow. Because in releasing all of that tension in my body, like I eventually removed the block and I almost just felt like I was like vibrating. Did you feel like your heart was opening? Completely. Like I could literally feel the ligaments in my chest going like, like it's like, like almost like a rubber band snapping into place. Mm -hmm. Like, dum, 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 dum. And And it would just open. And I would, as I moved the block up, the corresponding place in the front of my body also opened up. Mm. And I don't know how this works. <laughs> Maybe you do or have language <laughs> for it. But the 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 perspective shift that happens, right? Like is observe is palpable. Totally. You feel it in a way that like feels like no way. Like actually, like no way, mm-hmm. you know, and the more I explore different ways of viewing the world different than like the Western scientific mind that I was sort of trained in, the more often I have those experiences. Yeah. What I think of when you say that is more of the Eastern medicine side of things like Chinese medicine, for example, I've talked to a few people about this. I've read things about it, but There is science around it from the Chinese medicine standpoint that when you hold on to like emotions or trauma or things in your body and you don't allow yourself to process them or work through them and release them, it can show up as like a physical manifestation in your body. So that's maybe why, like, for example, for me, I was having, I've, I've been through a lot of like tough, like tough relationships and a lot of work, like having to learn how to love myself and accept myself. And with that, I've protected my heart and closed my heart up to, you know, like put these walls up, like, nope, no one else can get in. Like I'm safe. It's a natural Um, response. Exactly. And I think we do that. A lot of people do this. This is very like a human thing. If you've been through pain or heartache or lots of different things, grief, but physically in my body, the way I was holding myself mm-hmm. before I learned and had self-awareness around it and then learned how to open my heart was like, I would like tense up and like my shoulders would be like drawn forward mm-hmm. as a means of truly trying to close my heart space up and protect yeah. myself in that way. And so I think what you're saying, like you use the the block and this fish pose to like actually physically open up your heart, pull your shoulders back, mm-hmm. move it along your vertebrae physically opens up that space, but also allows you to release emotions and energy that's stuck in your body from who knows when, but we don't always need to know why and when it was from. Like, I think it's just the process of actually allowing that to to move through and 
let go. We don't need to hold on to all those those things anymore. There's creating space for being in the present moment and for new things to arrive in your body and in your space in your life. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to add that I think, one thing I wanted to add with that is this was a process that took time. Totally. Right? Like this wasn't something I just jumped into right away and was like, open body, like <laughs> feel different. Yeah. That's a good point. It took a while. Mm -hmm. And I think to put an actual number on it would cheapen the lesson. Mm -hmm. because it's different for every it's, single person exactly it doesn't necessarily... and different tools work for every single person too that's why it's like these are like guidelines of what maybe helped us but it looks different like everyone's been through different experiences different heartache grief all the all the above and so different things are going to work for you but yeah I think it's just like making that choice for yourself though if you want to make a change like you've been saying that it is possible and that it's definitely not going to be an overnight switch, yeah. but you'll get closer and closer and closer to feeling a little bit lighter or more open or expansive or whatever word you want to use. And then you'll be able to look back on where you came from and see the difference, but you don't notice it in the journey as no. much. I actually, on this point, this is something that we've talked about in the last couple of days, but like my work is super difficult. Yes. Um, dealing with a, a lot of adversity, both offered by the natural environment as well as people who are suffering. And it is can be really difficult for me to kind of regulate my nervous system once um, I have a time to, to take a break. And after getting off of work, I was nervous. I was super anxious. I was like, uh oh, what if none of my tools work? Mm. Like I can tell I'm not in my happy place right now. Mm. I'm not at my best. And what if none of my tools work? And at first, you know, I went to uh, a yoga class and I was like, oh, I still feel this way. I spent some time with friends. I was like, oh, I still feel this way. And that's like sort of rising level of panic just slowly started to percolate. And ultimately it was that consistency over a period of time that made all of the difference right it wasn't something totally. that i i did this somatic exercise once and i'm like great i feel better i really wanted yoga to do that for me sometimes it has <laughs> i've had a similar experiences with that too yeah it's awesome that aspect no but also beautiful. with it not working yeah and you're like and then you're like are you freaking kidding me i've gotten super frustrated you're like oh shit now <laughs> yeah what? now what exactly and it wasn't until that that sort of like Again, like the neurons that fire together, wire together, right? Like it wasn't until that consistency was introduced mm -hmm. that the subtle effects began to mount. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like a wave, like they added, that energy adds on top of one another. And eventually that wave crests and falls and washes over you. And that sense of well-being emerges, but it takes time. It does. And yeah, a lot of effort too sometimes yeah purposeful intention totally and with the topic of effort I actually want to go to the opposite side of it because yes like personal development can take a lot of effort a lot of consistency a lot of intentionality all of these things but I also think there's this really important side of self-love and personal development of play and not mm -hmm. taking yourself so seriously and being a little bit lighter so how do you do that my really goofy, unkept hair is one way that I embrace that, actually. Um, you know, like, I, I lived in San Francisco for a while, and there's a saying in San Francisco, which is, you are never overdressed in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, like, everyone has really tight haircuts. Everyone wears, like, form-fitting clothes. Like, it's fashion is part of your self-expression in that space. Yeah. And so, like, that was a... And when I was, I studied in, in San Francisco. So those are formative years of your life and like having everything neat and tidy and well kept is a temptation for me, let's say. And so finding more of that play is just like letting my hair be crazy. <laughs> yeah. um, another way it shows up is like being like, I actually, uh, surprise, surprise, I am a man. And 
I love being around women. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason that I love being around women is because men are often so rigid. Mm. They're like, well, what time will we arrive? And what is our perfect route to arrive at this destination? And when we, so when we commence eating, what will we then do afterwards? Okay, sweet. We have a plan. Emotions, none. See you there. Bye. Um, <laughs> and versus like sometimes in my relationships with women, they're like, well, how are we going to get there? Well, I don't know. Like, what if we just, they're like, I mean, what do you want to eat? I'm like, well, it could be anything. No, I'm not that. Like there's like this, like, experimentation mm. dance is one of the things that like I feel like women are so much more open to mm. at least like at least in the U.S. and like amongst my friends like being willing to move and feel goofy and like and like there is the best part about dance is there's no right way or wrong way to do it yeah and I think those of us that were raised with this idea of like of like a waltz or like a square dance or like this like sort or of competitive dance like me or competitive dance like that there is this programmatic way that you should do something totally this is like a this is i'm actively working on my relationship with dance so it's interesting that you bring that up and like yes does sometimes my dancing look like wacky wavy arm inflatable tube man 100%. totally like she's, <laughs> I've experienced like, she's it. like yes yes it does <laughs> um your facial expressions are like the best part of it yeah, you get so uh, into it makes you a little uncomfortable pointing it out but it's okay it's so good. but that's like one of those spaces again that like it's like lighten up though even just talking about it yeah like let's just move let's wiggle yeah um let's make some let's, pieces let's play and there to me that is a really helpful tool mm-hmm. in life is being able to not take ourselves so seriously and find like you're on your way somewhere you have all of these errands to run you have an intention of how it's supposed to go and something unexpected happens do you laugh and smile at the adversity like wow this is absurdly ridiculous I cannot believe that like literally my entire day is going to complete is going to be a complete wash Mm -hmm. or do you like buckle and brace and just say white knuckle just the white knuckle it and say like man i i need to do this This is the way it needs to go like i have to i i have to embody the sense of rigidity that is going to help i believe help me accomplish my goals yeah um but sometimes you just have to laugh in its face and say like all right guess this is going differently than i expected Mm -hmm. and so dance and play and not taking one's appearance too seriously there are spaces to be professional or you know to to put your best foot forward to be sure but forcing yourself to do that all the time putting this pressure on yourself to to show up in this way or to hope that your day goes exactly as you intended doesn't always serve you and so that that sense of play that sense of the ridiculousness of some moments of life and being willing to laugh at them and, and find joy in them, even though they were different than you expected, yeah, is a, it's help. It's been helpful for me. Totally letting go of expectations around things. I really love the rhyme retreat, Hannah and Luce. I mean, we went on this retreat together. What they say is like it's light work and deep play. Mm. I love that because I feel like it is like it's we're doing the work, and yes, it is work. But there's also the sense of like play that needs to come through for you to be able to adapt and to surrender and to let go and to see how things flow. But yes, there's there, you got to have both. It's the polarity. Yeah, I smile and laugh because one space if this shows up for some people, we talked about yoga and maybe that some of your listeners are familiar with it. And like this shows up in yoga all the time. Totally. People are like, I have to have the perfect posture. Mm-hmm. I have like. I have to do if, all the challenging ones too. I have to do all the, all the challenging ones. If there is something in the environment that is quote unquote disturbing my Zen, it's a problem. Right. Or like, this was my favorite example that happened the other day. It was like a, a dog in the studio just came and sat on my mat. And you can look at that as being like dog excuse me yeah. i have I, this is my space i have an intention of what you i'm going to do here like or literally i'm like oh you know what's great it's like yoga is a practice of like noticing and observing what's going on in your body and in your mind and uniting and yoking those two 
Am I going to look at this dog and say, you are wrong for existing in this way, dog? Or am I going to find a playful, <laughs> enjoyable way to practice around this dog? Yeah. And be like, oh, great. Now I have the opportunity to do like do movements that I would are not routine or not dogmatic, puns intended, in, in, <laughs> in my in my approach to this this practice. Yeah. And it's, yeah, a really wonderful opportunity, again, to play. And it just makes life feel more easeful and yeah not as serious i think that's a really good way to really good example too of that concept of how you want to perceive something and how you're what choice you're going to make you could go down the route of like oh my gosh like this is so annoying and just like be super frustrated the whole time you're work, you're doing yoga or you could just make fun and light of it and just kind of see what happens and let the dog exist too totally mm-hmm Totally. That's so, so good. Well, I think we should maybe end the conversation here. I obviously love talking to you. And I think this has been such like a, a word. Mm. You're better with your words. Than I think. <laughs> mm. This has been such like a, there's so much here. Like so much we discussed. Rich. Like the that. So rich. It's been a rich conversation. Mm -hmm. And I always end my podcast with an intuitive message. Oh boy. Yeah, oh boy. So I would love for you to just like connect within for a moment and just share whatever is left on your heart that you would like to leave in the space. Mm -hmm. I think my the message that I want to offer is just sort of what we were speaking to it's just like you don't have to be so serious mm. like it is okay to play it is okay to learn it is okay to be bad at the thing that you're doing and to shortchange yourself by imposing an idea or structure on that um, may do you a disservice and may prevent you from evolving into something that you are capable of thank you you're welcome that was amazing well share how people can connect with you if you're open to it i mean i'm just a human <laughs> my name is eric Mestingen. i have an instagram i have a facebook because i'm old uh, <laughs> uh, this, is this morning i made a reference to spongebob <laughs> weenie hut jr if anyone knows you know and i was like was that before your time <laughs> uh, so you're just making light of things though it's not serious no it's not <laughs> yeah he's only 32 by the way super old super old uh, getting getting younger day by day <laughs> oh, that's cool. me too yeah however you'd like thank you so much for being here and for sharing your your amazing mind and your perspective and your energy here yeah. because i truly feel that you bring so much value to any space that you're in and you always kind of pull me out of my little my little box sometimes that I get stuck in if I'm mm. having like those thought patterns or feeling big feelings or whatever it is you have this really beautiful way of like pulling people out of that situation and seeing things from like a bigger perspective or a different perspective and so I appreciate you sharing that here as yeah. we chatted yeah it's been a really fun conversation I'm grateful to get to be here I'm open to being here again yeah. It's really a privilege to be able to share perspective and hopefully things that people can can gain and grow from. And I really I had some nerves coming into this experience and it was really cool to feel how natural it felt in the space that you hold mm. as a host. So thank you. Thanks. That means so much to me. I'm so grateful for you. Likewise. <laughs> And just like that, you've finished another episode of Elevate with Elena. Thank you so much for being here and getting curious about your own 
exploration and self-love. How can you support this podcast? I would greatly appreciate ratings and reviews, letting me know what you're loving, what you'd like to hear more of, and how we can best serve you. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. I'm sending you all my love. And until next time.